You are about to hear two New York City-based artists discuss how to pursue God, music, and a fulfilling life. I'm Melinda May. I'm Trevor Knight, and this is Stronger Voices. So today, uh, thank you for joining us. Today we're going to be talking a lot about courage, about acting boldly, acting in faith. Uh, we got some verses to reference that I'm very excited about. Um, so I, I'm curious to see where that conversation goes. But first... Why don't you give a quick update on what's going on with your music, if you're writing anything new recently, and how that's going. So, okay, I was in the studio last week for two days. I finished up Chemicals, which is a song I wrote um, when I was, I think, 21 or 22. And I've always loved this song, and I tried a few times to bring it into the studio. And uh, this time it worked, and so it's done, and I'm so excited. I can't wait for people to hear it and it's really a song about um just like being overcome um by your emotions or like what's happening and being able to like stop and be like wait a second no (laughs) that's really what the song is about but it's it's said in a very like kind of silly way as a lot of my songs are but yeah and then I started um these two new songs that I'm so excited about and they're kind of like slow and acoustic-y and I really really like them I always, everybody likes the song that they're writing right now, you know? That's true. (laughs) Every time I write something new, I think, this is what I need to record next. It's a problem. Like, Mm -hmm. I want to put this one out. This is, this, I feel this so much. So, um, but I'm really excited about those. And then, uh, Not Anymore is coming out on Valentine's Day. So that's like. Yeah. So it's, by the time people are listening to this, it's already out. Yeah. And that's something I'm so, I just, I'm so proud of it. It's just so like, I love having it in, on my Spotify profile. I love that it's different. It's like a different, um, it's just, I'm so happy to have it there and have it be a part of like my collection of songs. Yeah, I agree. I think it adds diversity and depth to both of our catalogs. And I love the cover. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Roundabout way to get to that cover, but it worked out for the best. We'll tell that story maybe at another time. But um what's going on with you? Um yeah, not anymore is the main focus and uh, again, mm-hmm. I love it too. I think it's a great song. I think it I think it accents our strengths well. I think it um Yeah. I think the whole is more than the sum of the parts, you know. It we created something together that was different than what we create by ourselves. And I really like that. Yeah. Um, so I'm very thankful to have that as a part of my catalog as well. Um, I recorded, I deserve better. I recorded on my way home. I'm editing those. Those will come out in the spring. Very excited. Me too. Um, but yeah, I just want to have a continual conveyor belt of being in the studio, releasing stuff. That's my goal for 2020 is to have consistent content that's out there that people can listen to. Yeah, so I'm very excited about that. I'm excited about what it's going to lead to, and hopefully it establishes a pattern for me of consistency, which I really want to be present in 2020 and beyond. So my goal is to lay this foundation, and hopefully it's beneficial. And people like the stuff that comes out, hopefully. Um, And outside of that, um, there are a couple songs I'm workshopping and in the beginning stages of writing i spent some time yesterday um 
trying to nail down the concept of one I'm working on and we've said this but I don't think it's ready for ears yet it mm-hmm. I still don't know what it is or what it's gonna be I have a melody line that I like and I, that's how I normally start songs as I as I have a melody line um, so I'm just trying to find the right words and concepts to fit on top of it that Do you have any lyrics so far um I've messed around with a couple different ones. Um, I think it's going to be something around the idea of you have something to say, and I like that. Like, I hope you're someone who always has something to say. And I I can't decide if this is going to be a heartfelt, like, parent talking to a child song Mm -hmm. or a love song or... That's literally how I, I write a lot of songs is I pick a melody line and then I think, okay, this little run in the melody, the words something to say fit in there. Yeah. How do I make that a theme now? So that's kind of where I'm at with this song. I don't know where it's going to go, but something to say will be in it. I, I think that's such an encouraging message. I really <laughs> like that concept. You know, like, uh, that's cool. Especially like, you know, stronger voices. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, you know? exactly. it's kind of a thing like that um we believe in like and again what we're about to talk about too here like you're supposed to be bold and confident and and it's good to have something to say you know so anyway that's cool yeah so i think both of our journeys with regard to music are in a good place and on a good trajectory and there are exciting things coming for both of us i think yeah definitely and yeah, more releases, and I'm going to release a lot of acoustic songs, and I'm going to release live videos on YouTube and stuff, and I just feel so, because we went through that, or at least I did, and I believe you did too, a few months of what what are we, what am I doing for 2020, you yeah. know, and now it just feels like, okay, that's yeah not floating around anymore, mm-hmm. like in my head, now I'm like, that's done, and now I can think about yeah. lots of other things, so yeah. it's pretty neat, yeah, things are in a good spot right now yeah for me it's shifted from ideas of what i want to do in 2020 to okay i have all these things i want to do in 2020 how do i execute them what's the framework i use to actualize those ideas that i have Mm -hmm. yeah um yeah which is the hard part yeah (laughs) actually i don't know if that's true trev maybe that execution is like once I figure out... I think execution is the hard part. At you least do? for me. Mm-hmm. Anyone can set goals. Anyone can have ideas. Well, yeah. not anyone. I guess not anyone can have ideas that have a certain level of creativity or yeah, whatever. But yeah, I think anyone can say, I want to make a million dollars by the time I'm 30. I want to travel to Italy. I want to you know, start a business. But... Having the idea of starting a business is the easiest thing about starting a business. Well, <laughs> maybe, but I think for me personally, like the hardest part is like, what am I doing? What's the timeline of it? How does this make sense? How does it fit in for what I want to do in the future? How, does it, is it like uh, going to be cohesive with the rest of the stuff I have out? What's a timeline that makes sense? How am I going to make it work financially? What's this going to look like for my yeah. schedule? All of those things. And then once I nail it down and I'm like, I'm doing this. Coast. They fall into place. It's not that it falls into place. It's still work, but like, I'll do it. You know, it's just like I in the past have gotten tripped up on or I think 
could get tripped up on, but I think like God helps me, but like decision paralysis, Mm. there's too many options, you know? And once I nail those down of like, this is what I'm going to do. It's like, okay, Mm. then the execution part is less, it's more work, but less, um, up here. Uh, I'm pointing to my head. (laughs) It's more like boots on the ground doing it, which is fun and great and less like, um, as I said, like decision making. Yeah. So it depends on how you think, you know? Sure. Um, yeah. And I think, I guess we think slightly differently about those things because yeah, for you, it's more about the importance of the idea. And for me, setting those ideas, isn't the difficult part. I got tons of ideas. You know, yeah. I got plenty of things I want to do. Yeah. Um, it's, it's about using the resources I have to execute the ones that I, can and hope to execute the most yeah that makes sense well you don't get very like bogged down uh, about things like that you're just like this is what i'm gonna do and uh this makes sense cool ship it (laughs) and i'm very much like does this make sense is this but but i'm i don't think that's a negative thing about either of us you know it's just i don't it's It's just just we're different you know like yeah but god is and god like shaped us into these people but um yeah, but yeah, so it makes sense to me that you'd be like, nah, well, I'm just going to choose to do something, you know, and then the execution is like when I really work. And for me, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I have to decide all these things. <laughs> but then after that, I'm like, cool, I'll just go do it. So, I mean, there's still some decisions to be made. I don't know exactly what I'm releasing, but uh, yeah. But in general, we're both going in a good direction, I think. Content. Content. Content, content, content for the 2020. The year of content. That's it. Yeah, that's the goal. And I think we're off to a good start if that if it's the year of content. Yeah. And we're going to Nashville. And we are going to Nashville. It's yeah. going to be I'm so a, Yeah, I'm, I'm pumped. Yeah. I'm pumped. And more on that later. But mm-hmm. why don't we turn to the bulk of what we're going to be talking about, which is um, a few verses. So we've had a kind of back and forth conversation the last few days um, that was spurred by verses that we both came across about um, acting in faith and acting boldly and how often and why God calls us to do that. Um, so why don't we why don't we start with the one that I first came across a few days ago in Leviticus, which is such an interesting place because I'm doing this Bible reading plan for 2020 and you know those first and it's chronological, so it just goes straight through Genesis. Yeah. Re- revelation all the way through there's no in one year in one year so, so it's, it's about three four chapters a day yeah mm-hmm. yep uh, which is very manageable amount of reading so if you're listening and you've never read the entire bible which i hadn't you know in 2019 i did for the first time um and i did it in six months but that was a lot of reading a day um and when you get behind it's hard to catch up when you're doing it in six months so doing it in a year it literally takes like 10 minutes a day um so it's not it's not m- about how much time you do it in a day. The only determining factor of, of whether you get something out of it is consistency. If you yeah. can do 10 minutes a day for the entire year. Because h- how many is that? 3,600 minutes in a year. That sounds like a lot. But if you split it up and do a little bit every day, it's totally manageable. So if you're looking yeah. to do that, I definitely recommend it. Um, consistency is just the biggest thing. But anyway, so I'm on this... Bible reading plan for 2020, and we're in Leviticus, or we were a few days ago, um, which has a terrible rap. <laughs> I think 
Leviticus is probably thought of as the most, if not one of the most boring books of the Bible, because it's, it's God telling Moses the law uh, for the Jewish people. And it's basically all the things that are going on in the minutia of their legal society at the time. You can do this. You can't do that. This has to be this color. This has to be this length. You know, it's a lot of things that people dietary restrictions and when you can do certain things. And yeah. Yeah. So, um, but another advantage of doing the Bible reading plan too is you don't have to sit down and read all of Leviticus in one sitting. You know, you read three chapters a day, you read 10 minutes of it, and you can find little nuggets in it that are really good, which is what happened to me a few days ago. So this is Leviticus 26, 13. Um, and God is talking about, um, he's referencing the covenant that he made with Abraham and Isaac about there will be a promised land for your people and you are the people that I chose to inherit this promised land. Um, And at the end of this paragraph, so the end of God's speech, he says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt so you would no longer be slaves. I broke the yoke of slavery from your neck so you can walk with your heads held high. And I just stopped in my tracks when I saw that because it was such an interesting and encouraging verse, you know, in the middle of this chapter of God telling his chosen people, here's what you can do, here's what you cannot do. There's this moment of, okay, I've told you to do all these things. Here's why, you know, here, here's why all these things are important. It's mm-hmm. because... So you can walk with your head held high. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. That is what God desires for his people. Yeah. And that's what, that's exactly what struck me is God didn't say, I'm telling you to do all these things just because I'm telling you to do all these things so that you can have great earthly lives. He doesn't promise that, you know, he doesn't promise ease and happiness all the time, but God calls us and has done things already so that we can walk with our heads held high. And that and that led me, one, extremely encouraging. You know, God wants you to live confidently. God wants you to, to know that he is with you all the time and for that to give you strength. Yes. Um, so mm-hmm. that was extremely encouraging. But also, that led me into this thought loop that I had been in for a few days where... Why does God talk so much about courage? Why does God talk so much about having faith? So much of the Bible is about that. It's in the Old Testament, the New Testament, about being strong when things aren't ideal or when things don't go the way you planned. And here he talks about walking with your head held high, and it all kind of coalesced for me in the idea that God calls us to do difficult things. God calls us to do things that make us uncomfortable or involve uncertainty. Yeah. You know, if you... If you never were uncertain about how things were going to work out, a lot of the Bible wouldn't apply to you. Mm -hmm. You know, if you weren't confused sometimes or challenged sometimes or exhausted sometimes or in a situation that was extremely risky, a lot of God's teachings just wouldn't apply to you. Mm -hmm. You know, about being encouraged, about perseverance, about endurance. God talks about those things a lot. So... It was it was really cool to see that God has that vision for our life. God wants you to do things 
that you don't necessarily know how they're going to work out so that you can lean on him. Yeah. So I, I've been like that verse and it, it, that kind of started the conversation we had where you had come across some similar verses. I had come across some similar ones to that as well, but it's, it's such an important idea and one that you don't hear a lot, you know? Yeah. And I think sometimes people think faith is, and sometimes it is, you know, if God says something like this is this way, you believe it, whether it's something in his word or whatever, but faith isn't necessarily, I know this is going to go my way. Faith is no matter what way this goes, it belongs to God and I belong to him. And I'm going to put one foot in front of the other in the direction that I think God is leading me because I trust him. You know, like it's like faith is God. I'm going to do this because this is what you have obviously put on my heart to do and like where you've guided me. But I, I don't know. I don't know, but I trust you. And, and the, it's so interesting, the love and the intimacy that that builds with God when you're like, God, you don't owe me anything. Like, I just love you. And like, I'm going to do this because I think it's what you, you want me to do. And I, 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 you know, you can want it to go a certain way or think that it's go going a certain way, but ultimately it's like, God, whatever you want, you know, like I'm yours. So yeah. And there's ex- a lot of examples in the Bible like that, you know, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, like this struck me when I, when I read this, um, they said they basically, the King was like, look, we're going to throw you into this furnace because, um, you won't worship the King or something like that. And they're like, no, we're only going to bow down to our, our God. And the King's like, fine, well, we're going to throw you in the furnace. And they say, um, fine, our God will save us. But if not, we're still not bowing down. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Like God is going to save us. But even if not, I won't sin. I, I, you know, so that was faith. Like, okay, maybe we'll live. Maybe we'll die. Yeah, no, I think that's a really important distinction is faith is not. And and God talks a lot about the power of faith, too. You know, you have the like even the smallest amount of faith can make a big difference. If you have faith that this mountain will move from here to here, I'll do it, you know? Yeah. Um, God talks a lot about that kind of faith, but the faith isn't, your faith isn't diminished by saying, I have faith that this is going to work out exactly the way God wants it to. So I, I don't think it's any less powerful to say, I don't know how this is going to work out, but I know it's going to work out for the best because God has my best in mind and God sees a picture that we can't see. Yeah. You know, God has a holistic view of everything and we see a tiny part of it. So to have faith going into a situation isn't always going to be, I know exactly how this is going to work out for me and it's going to be what I want and it, everything is going to be peachy keen because it's not. But I have faith that whatever happens to me, God had a hand in it and it's what God wants and on the whole that's going to be better and more in a line with you know why and how humanity was created than what I had envisioned for myself in the first place yeah and it is situational too because when uh like when the angel for example visited Mary and told Mary what was going to happen she 
she like sat and thought about things, but she believed God. She thought, I have no idea how this is going to be, but she believed God. And then Abraham also, like his faith was credited to him as righteousness. Again, God said, this is what's going to happen to you, Abraham. You're going to be the father of many nations. And he did. He, he believed that that would happen and he believed God. So it, it truly is situational, you know, but it's not like, it just depends on like where the Holy Spirit is guiding you and stuff. Cause I've, I've heard people, you know, they sign up for some competition and they're like, I have total faith that I'm going to win first place, you know? And then they don't. <laughs> and it's like, I don't know if that's. And yeah, that can be dangerous because right. if you, if your faith is not based on, I have faith that God is going to do with this exactly what God wants to do with it. And that's, better and higher and more supreme than anything I could want. If your faith isn't based on that and your faith is based on an earthly result, it can be dangerous because then when that doesn't happen, you don't credit it to God doing something greater and better and more supreme. You credit it to God not giving you the thing you had faith about. And you start to question all these verses in the Bible about having faith. And then you lose faith instead of gain it. Yeah. Which is extremely dangerous. Yeah. So, it is, it is situational as far as like whether you're believing for like a specific thing or just whether you're like, God, I trust you and, and I'm open. I'm just, I, yeah. you know, but. And that's not to say that having faith and wanting specific things is bad because people in the Bible do that all the time. Yeah. Um, and, and God says that's okay. You know, God and Jesus both say the desires of your heart, you know, you can come to me. I want to know what you want. And the more you talk to God and the more you ask for the Holy Spirit to come into your life, those desires will be shaped by God. So in circumstances, it is okay to, you know, pray for certain things and to have faith that certain specific things will happen because, again, the more in tune you are with God, the more in tune you're going to be with those kind of requests. Yeah. Um. So I don't I don't think that's to say that you should never ask for specific things to happen. I don't think that's what God wants. God wants a relationship with you. Yeah. You know, God wants to know what's important to you. Yeah. Um so yeah, that's not to say that you should never feel bad about asking for specific things, but I think the important distinction is when it comes to how those specific things come to pass, what your frame of mind is. If when those specific things don't happen, your faith could be encouraged because you know, okay, God has something better planned, or your faith could be damaged because you think God doesn't care about the things I care about. Yeah. Incredible scripture is someone in the Bible who I can't remember at this moment, David, or I'm not sure. I think it was David, um, really wanted to build a temple and God said to him, uh, you're not going to build the temple, but you were right to want to. Because Solomon did later, right? Yeah. And yeah. he said, your son is going to do it. But, you, but, and I was just floored by that. Like you were right to want to, you know, like God is just so, he's unthinkable. He's incredible. Like it was the will of God that David wanted to do that. But God was like, it's not for you. It's for your son. Okay. So, 
you know, who can, and this is why you have to have faith in God's plan, you know, but, um, yeah. So what, what verse that you came across, um, after we started talking about this back and forth struck you the most? I was on the bus home from um, Pennsylvania where my recording studio is and I was praying about things and I, and God like really encouraged me. I, yeah. So he encouraged me um, with this verse from Hebrews that says, what is it? Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10, 35. Here, I'll pull it up. Yeah. Can you read it? Uh, Sure. You, you're an ESV person, right? He knows. That's it. Yes. English Standard Version. Is that correct? Yes. That's not even one of the <laughs> the default. There's like five or six at the top of the Bible app that it says are the most popular. It's not on there. What are the most popular? Um, it's the NIV, the message. N- NIV, NLT, ASV, KJV. Cool, cool, cool. Um, but now it'll add that to my list of ones I've used before. Okay, so Hebrews 10, Hebrews 10, 35, and 36, it says, Therefore do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. But it goes further. Can you read the next verse? Because this is super important, this part. For yet a little while, and and the coming one will come and not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But my righteous one will, first of all, it says, you have need of endurance. Whoa. Secondly, um, my righteous one will live by faith, and if he shrinks back, I have no pleasure in him. And it's just, it's exactly in line with what you read in Leviticus with like my will for my people is for them to walk with their heads held high. And we're getting the same message here of like, don't shrink back. And maybe some people who are not Christians maybe have this um, stigma about Christians that it's like you're supposed to be like this wishy-washy, like, you know, kind of, um, you know, the idea of love today is very much like, um, you know, rainbows and uh, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. it's a little what almost like weak, but it's the opposite. Like God a spirit of love is extremely powerful. And the picture that we're presented with in the Bible with who we're supposed to be is someone who doesn't shrink back, you know, like, whoa. And so even when I also turned to this verse last night in first Peter, where it says like, look, trials are going to come. But even when trials come and even when your faith is tested, like you, you have to hold your confidence to the end because that's how you get the reward and you can't shrink back. And so, and that's not to say that, you know, that's not difficult. Like I was, I was having such a hard night that night. I texted you whatever night that was Saturday or something with this verse. Uh, no, it was, come on brain. I think it was Friday night and I was like, I can't sleep. I didn't tell you all this, but no one was up. It was like, one in the morning or something, you know? And I was just like having a really hard time, like a faith crisis. (laughs) And, uh, so I'm just trying to express that I go through that. And like, 
and I've been walking with God for a long time and I've been reading the Bible a long time, but I still have times of just like having to press in and like be sure. and cry out to God and like, I need more faith in this situation or whatever. So, um, and, and God promises that that is going to happen. You know, God promises a lot of amazing things. You know, God promises eternal life for those that believe in his son. God promises to forgive you every time that you ask, but God does not promise to give you an easy life. He doesn't. And in verses like this, he almost assures you that that will not happen. You know, if you're living your life for God and you're in tune with what he wants, he will use you to do amazing things. And a lot of time that's going to mean earthly difficulty for you. Yeah. You know, so to say things like keep your confidence, you are in need of endurance. Again, that goes back to the idea that there's an implication that you will do difficult things. And because when you're when you're not doing any of those things and you're not talking to God and you're not in situations where you would need confidence or endurance or, you know, comfort from God. The devil doesn't care about those people. You know, the devil isn't worried about those people because they're already on the sidelines. So to me, life gets difficult because God says that we have the potential to be persecuted because of believing in him, right? And the more in line you get with what God wants, the more it's going to stir up earthly people and the more it's going to stir up the enemy because he doesn't want that to happen. So God, God promises a lot of things, but... He almost guarantees that if you're doing what he wants you to do, things will get difficult. It's a certainty. He absolutely guarantees that, you know, and it's, it's, yeah, like the Bible says, like, don't be surprised when the world hates you. Whoa. You know, because they, they, they hated, they hate you because they hated me first. Jesus said like, whoa, it's not this. Yeah, it's, it is. That's why Jesus, th- there's so much scripture about like be armed for battle. You know what I'm saying? Like um, where Paul is talking about like put on uh, the helmet of salvation and he's making this yeah, the full armor of God, I the full that. armor yeah. of God in, in Ephesians. And he's making this reference to like, that's how you're going into this. And I think you're, it's so good that you bring that up. Like it's not Christianity is not like this. First of all, there's it's not a cure for unhappiness. No, but there's so much joy and peace and life in knowing Christ. And not only that, but the Holy Spirit makes things sparkle. Things that are boring come to life when the Holy Spirit shows up. And things that are um, kind of like lukewarm get I- interesting when the Holy Spirit is around. Like that's what puts the goody like in life, you know. I was just thinking this walking over here. Like I literally don't care as much about achieving all my goals as being in the will of God, because I'll be bored. If, if I'm out of the will of God, it's, it's dry. It's very dry. It's just, you're kind of like living and you get some money and then you do the things and then you die. But when you're, when you do sign up, and you do get in the battle and you do put on the full armor of God and you do step out in faith, like, whoa, does God make your life purposeful and fun and also difficult, but not that God makes your life difficult, but your life is difficult. Yeah. Probably no matter what, but, um, 
the picture of Christianity. Like, what does Jesus say? Like, whoever wants to follow me, like, pick up your own cross and come. So there's tons of scripture about, um, and I think we're, we're missing that message. Like there is a lot of work and personal responsibility that comes into following Christ work and taking personal responsibility. It's not this. Take up your cross and follow me. You know, Jesus promises that he promises it's going to be a hard road. Yeah. Or he tells the dude, the rich man, you know, like you want to follow me, sell everything you own. And the guy goes away crying because he couldn't do it. Whoa. You'd think Jesus would be like, okay, cool. Come on. Ha ha. No, (laughs) it's not like that. (laughs) But our culture today and the world has portrayed Christianity in this way that I think turns people away sometimes. If you, it's not this club that you're joining. It's signing up to be on this mission. To be a soldier. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Which is like a little bit funny because you're always saying, (laughs) you're like, I am but a soldier. But yes, that's what it is. And yeah, people need to hear that, I think. Like, it's not this wishy-washy book club. It's, it is a matter of life and death. Literally, it's the matter of, of life and death. So. No, and I think you're right that fulfillment and joy and peace those aren't anathema to following God and going through difficult things because there are many people you see this all the time I was listening to a podcast the other day where they start this thing it goes exactly how they wanted it to go they make all this money and they don't care they get no fulfillment out of it you know you see celebrities all the time who really sad things you know their families fall apart they overdose on drugs they're just not happy even though they've achieved everything they want to achieve right you know and it's because it's what you said maybe their life has been difficult but if if you're not doing it with god or for god those things if they do come to pass are not gonna fill that hole you know it's just not it's just not. You're going to be just as unhappy as you were before, maybe more so. Yeah. And it's it's boring. It's boring. I was recently watching this documentary about a celebrity, and you see this celebrity, you know, on the private jets and and performing in, in front of thousands and thousands of people. And there's just something about it that I was just like, God, I'm so grateful for my life the way it is right now because my life is dynamic and interesting and fun because uh, there's things that I'm praying for and because God's in it, you know, and this is where he has me. And like, I don't want to be bored on a private jet. I don't care, you know, like, yeah, I think a a lot of, and and you think that that's like, I want to achieve all my goals. And this sent me into a spiral in 2014. I was really struggling with nihilism a little bit and an existential crisis and God grew me through it where I was literally telling God I'm like and I was truly picturing okay what if I have Grammys what if I have them you know and like it was kind of like it was me going through this period of realizing like I really I do want Grammys but only if only with God you know and only um through God doing something through that that's actually meaningful and actually for his kingdom, you know? So, 
and it's not like, again it's not bad to want those things you know it's not I want them <laughs> yeah it's not bad to and mm-hmm. I I used to struggle with that too and I'm sure a lot of Christians do oh I I shouldn't put any focus on material things I should only pray about the things that I think God wants God knows what God wants he doesn't need to hear it from you yeah so God wants a relationship with you and the more you talk to him, the more he's going to shape the things that you care about and the things that you ask for. So it is okay to ask for the things that are on your heart. It can take time and practice to discern what want that you have is from God and what is from the world and what you've, you've been tainted or changed by earthly things to want and what you inherently want because God put it on your heart. That takes time and practice, but... Yeah, it's it's not sinful to want things, you know. God asks us to talk to him all the time and he asks us to ask for things that we want. Yeah. And Jesus there's a lot of scripture like that, like keep asking, keep seeking. There Jesus tells the parable of the um there's like this judge who's not even a a godly man, but the woman keeps asking him and finally he's like, okay, fine. And he's saying like, keep asking, you know, like that's okay. But also like, I'm also very aware that God truly is the only thing that makes anything feel good or make anything interesting. I remember also learning the lesson of like, I used to think there's an adventure behind every barroom door in Brooklyn, you know? And I remember realizing like, this is the same thing over and over and over you can do this forever you know and yeah so it's only god's kingdom that like um matters really that's it but yeah takes a lot of faith (laughs) yeah and i love i love this idea which it follows so logically from all this scripture, but I had never actualized or given a name to it in my mind before that God, when you're following God, you will do risky things. When you're following God, you will do things that make you uncomfortable. You know, that's such an empowering thing. You know, God doesn't want you to sit on the sidelines. You know, he wants you to get in the game and throw punches and be, you know, a player that's trying to show his glory and win people for his kingdom and, and do things that other people don't have the courage to do. It's such an empowering thing. I was really encouraged when you said that and you sent that to me too, because the sometimes the natural inclination is like, this is uncomfortable. Shut it down. <laughs> you know, this is uncomfortable. Like run, you know, but like, that's not God's will. Sometimes God's will is like, this is uncomfortable. Wait, <laughs> Yeah. You know, and that's really difficult. Yeah, and oh, and that that brings that brings us to the other important part of this in that God will put you through uncomfortable things sometimes, but God doesn't make you afraid. Fear doesn't come from God. So this was it's a similar idea and it's related in a nice way, but um there are a lot of verses also about fear and where it comes from, and one of them is in 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy 1:7. Um, and it says, where is it? For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. 
So God doesn't God doesn't promise that everything's going to be easy, but he will give you power and he will give you strength and he will give you discipline. And the I think the ESV and the KJV translation of self-discipline is sound mind. That's such an empowering thing. So God will call you to do difficult things, but if you're afraid of doing them, that's not from God. That's from the world. That's from your own human insecurity and imperfection looking at what God's calling you to do and saying, I'm not qualified for that. I didn't sign up for that. That scares me. That's not from God. Those emotions are from you and they're from the world. And if you look at that situation that God's calling you to and you believe in your heart that this is God's will, God will give me the strength necessary to do this thing and you do it willingly God will be glorified through that and you won't be afraid regardless of whether your human inclination or whether the people around you tell you that you should be afraid. That fear doesn't come from God. God doesn't like his people to be afraid. No. And it says right there, God does not give you a spirit of fear. And also the Bible says, um, God is not the author of confusion. So anytime that I am afraid you know, like really just afraid and or or confused, which kind of go hand in hand. I immediately am like, S- I'm somewhere here. I'm believing a lie. I don't know where it is, but there is a it, th- there's a lie I'm believing here, you know, because that's not from God. That's not from God. God speaks so clearly and there's so much peace there. And, you know, like it says, like he gives you a spirit of power and love and sound mind. And it's so interesting that fear and 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 sound mind are opposite. I think fear and love are also opposite. But fear and unsound mind go together so well and everyone intuitively knows that, right? When you're afraid and you're overwhelmed by anxieties or you, you can't think clearly sure. and you, you're thinking wrong things and you know you're thinking wrong things because you're just stuck in this fear place. And no, that's not from God. That's not what God, that's not what God wants. He gives us. And you're so right that when you're in a situation that requires courage, like God gives us a spirit of power, of love, sound mind you know god will give you exactly what you need at the time if you ask him yeah um yeah god says that at at many times in the bible he doesn't always say i will give you the things that would make this situation totally great for you i will make i will give you the things that will make whatever i'm calling you to do easy but i'll give you the things that you need you know moses did all the things that he did. He freed a people. He performed all these miracles with a stutter. You know, he was leading hundreds of thousands of people and he had a speech impediment. You know, God gave him the things that he needed. He didn't give him everything that would have made it easy. You know, God gave him a brother who could help him with that. God gave him the power to talk to him and to do miracles in his name. You know, and God says that a lot. Like the the psalm that says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Um, the New Living Translation is, the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. You know, it, it's not always going to be what you think would make the situation best because that's not always what God wants. You know, God will give you the things you need to do the things that he asks. 
Yeah. And thank God that God doesn't give us everything we ask for. <laughs> I mean, like, thank God. Like, th- there, there, the, the joy and, like, the, it's amazing to know that our Father, who loves us, who actually loves you personally, you, not just you as a part of big creation, but, like, Jesus said, God, God, you can be so close to God that, first of all, you can call him Dad, the translation is Abba in Hebrew, but it translates to dad or daddy. And secondly, he literally knows the number of hairs on your head. Like God knows you intimately. And this, and our father who loves us, he actually is in control and sees the whole big picture. So like, what an amazing privilege. I mean, I've definitely prayed for things in life. And when you swing back around, you're like, Whoa. Thanks for not granting yeah. that request. I was off track there. You know? <laughs> Thank you, Father. And I always, I still, like, I remember praying this one prayer, driving across, like, wilkes Bear. you know, I'm praying about this thing, and just so earnestly, and God didn't do it. And then later I came to know something that I had no idea about, and I was like, whoa, yeah. God, thank you. Yeah, you saved I, me. I know exactly what you mean. I read this book in... A Bible study group a while back, I think it, I think it was the Circle Maker, which is a good book about prayer. But one of the concepts in there was, you know, God sees things that you don't. And sometimes when you're praying, asking for something, you might be the equivalent of a twelve-year-old asking to drive a Ferrari, and God s- says to that, "You don't know what you're asking for." You know, you, right. <laughs> you it's in your best interest that I don't grant this request, you know, because God does have our best interest in mind. Yeah. And he sees way, you know, he, all of humanity is his tapestry, you know, he created it. So we can ask for things and God wants us to ask for things. God wants us to talk to him, but God's going to give us what's in our best interest. And that's not always the thing that we ask for because sometimes the things that we ask for are unwise because our perspective is so limited. Yeah. Yeah. I, prayed this prayer yesterday uh i was like god and this is a prayer i've prayed before in my life where it's i know that you will give me what i ask you if i ask you for this you're going to give it to me should i ask you for this because i don't even because i don't even know if i should ask for this thing like should i ask for it and then and i prayed that prayer before about things and then god gives me confidence and like no you you can ask me for that and then sometimes it's like I don't even know if I can ask you for that, you know? So just making the point, like you can even ask God about that. Like, God, like, what do I ask you for? I, Cause I want to ask you for the things that you want me to ask yeah, you for. No, I, I pray prayers like that all the time. Mm-hmm. I pray for clarity. I pray for discernment and wisdom. I pray for wisdom every day. You know, everyone needs that. You're again, God doesn't promise things are going to be easy. I think you, you start to, once you develop a relationship with him and you start to talk to him a lot, you start to pick up on the ways that he talks to you. But I pray for clarity and wisdom every day because there are lots of times when something happens and you're presented with a few options and your decision, I want God to be in on those decisions, but I don't always know what the best decision is. So uh, I pray I pray prayers like that all the time. God, give me clarity on what you want so I can do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's not always clear. No, yeah. I also ask for wisdom every day. Yes. It's vital. You have to, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah. And God likes those kind of prayers, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, it took Solomon a long time to get to that, to get to the point where, you know, he had all the material things he wanted, you know, everything, more majesty than anyone on the history of the planet had ever had in terms of material wealth, and he just wasn't happy. Case in point, again, of what we were talking about is where fulfillment comes from. And then he prayed, you know, he realized that that comes from God, and I want wisdom to be able to see what's from God, you know? Yeah. And then God gives it to him and makes him the wisest man ever. Yeah. Which is really neat. But, but yeah, it's been very encouraging. Thank you for sending those verses this week. I needed them a lot this week. So, yeah. Yeah, I wanted to, you had one more that you sent me that I wanted to kind of see what your thought process was too. It was the first John verse. So, so we had talked about, um, in, uh, first or second Timothy where, you know, God doesn't give you fear. He gives you power and love. And, and that, that puts love and fear at odds. It makes a dichotomy out of love and fear. And that's what it says in first John. So first John four eighteen says, such love has no fear because perfect love casts out all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. Okay. So I don't have a favorite verse of the Bible, but if I did, this would probably be it. Perfect love casts out all fear. And there's almost nothing that just makes more perfect sense. There's like, it's one of those, it's like how Einstein got really excited about E equals MC squared because it sort of like tied up the universe in this such a simple equation you know that's how I feel about perfect love that casts out all fear and not only that but when you fear it has to do with punishment and the one who fears has not been perfected in love and that's so clear so the reason why anybody fears ever is because it has to do with punishment and it's that's a really deep concept but it's because you're thinking somewhere deep down Uh, Or maybe it's not deep down, but I screwed up. I'm, I'm vulnerable here. I'm going to get something bad is going to happen to me. That's what fear is. Fear is almost always self-focused and love is almost always outwardly focused. Love goes, you're loving the person next to you and, and love for God. And fear really is about you being afraid of for yourself and that's what that word punishment that's what that phrase means although it's a little mysterious you know and maybe doesn't exactly hit home in english but and hard to understand maybe but that's what it's saying so does that make sense yeah so perfect love casts out all fear so when you're afraid somewhere the answer is love whether it's love for God or love for that person or whatever it is. Cause say you're um, like, God, I'm so afraid of, um, I'm so afraid of like this, this job interview. I'm so afraid of like, I'm so intimidated by this. I really need this job. I'm going to this job interview. And you're just like struck with fear. Your love for like father, I, love you I know that I'm in like your hands and I I 
submit my life to you. And if you want me to have this job, you will. And if you want me to wait longer to get a job, then that's okay too. That's love. And that, do you see how that rises above that fear? And you're just like, oh, if I don't get this job, okay. Because God has something else. That's, that's what this means. Love casts out all fear, you know, or even like when you, uh, when someone disappoints you or whatever, and you have like fear surrounding that and all of this, whatever, if you can like love that person and be like, oh, well, you know, God has a, like God, like that person belongs to you. That, that eases that fear in you about that. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that's what it's saying. Like every time you're afraid, if you could find that place of, and you know, it has to be from the Holy spirit of genuine love for God or for that person or for whatever, it's going to cast out that fear. It's going to transcend it. It's going to be the high road. It's going to be above it. And so, um, yeah. So like I said, that's one of the most, for me, one of my favorite verses and one of the most powerful for sure. And just, and as I said, the truth of it is just so obvious to me, um, in the little picture day to day relationships, but also in the big picture too. Yeah. It's and, just and wild. that that hits home the point that fear doesn't come from God. It's amazing how consistent and like logical yes. and and coordinated the Bible is. You know, know, you get you got these different books that are, you know, written at different times and you know, second Timothy says, God doesn't give you fear, he gives you love. Mm-hmm. And then this verse in first John says, Perfect love casts out all fear. So this is that is to say that when you have fear, which you will, it's not from God, and the cure is God, because God is love. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's just what I was about to bring up. God is love. So it's like saying God, who is perfect love, that's literally what God is, is perfect love. God casts out all fear. Which is from the world. Yeah. Yes. Which is not from God, but from yeah. the world or your, or your flesh or Satan. That's it. So, yeah. There's so many cool instances of things like that where concepts are just repeated and intertwined over time in different parts of the Bible. And it just, it's amazing. It's in, This is what I get so excited about. And I get so frustrated because I can't articulate it all the time, but it all is so cohesive and it makes perfect sense. It just makes perfect sense. Like, and these are heavy concepts, love and fear and, and all these things. And yet they're so simple, so simply perfect in the Bible. How is that possible? How could that be possible? Why is the Bible different than, than any other book like that? There's something so, um, it's just incredible. And obviously the reason being, I think is because it truly is the word of God. There's no other book like it that tie that there isn't that ties together across thousands of years, the same themes and that, you know, things in Isaiah then happened in, which is not, nobody's guessing that Isaiah was written thousands of years before Matthew. You, yeah, the Bible on the whole 
spans about 1600 years from when the first stuff was written the history of it's longer than that because you write about things that happened in the past when you're talking about the old testament but yeah in terms of the authors they span about 1600 years which is crazy and somehow it all still and it's yeah it makes sense relates to each other and it's just yeah again you have leviticus which mm-hmm. is the the ancient israelites you know god's first chosen people that wander into the desert with the same hundreds themes. and hundreds of years before Christ mm-hmm. and you're talking about walk with your head held high because I will you know remove your yoke I removed your yoke your burden from you when I brought you out of Egypt and 2000 years later Jesus walks the earth and he says my yoke is light and I give it to you because I I want you to be one with me you know yeah. the, it's amazing how even the language and the turns of phrase are are the same across these different books and different authors. It was written by about 40 different people. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Across you time. Can't, you can't account for that except through the work of God. I think so, yeah. Because these people didn't sit around a table and decide what they were going to write about, you know? Mm-hmm. They were separated by hundreds of years. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's incredible, and, and it just makes so m- much sense, and... Um, there's answers in this book. There's answers in this book, which is like incredible because I've been going through it like the past, like, I don't know, specifically the past week for sure. And God just like came to my rescue in so many ways through what we talked about these past 30 minutes through showing me in these verses how I'm supposed to think about things and what I'm supposed to hope for and how I'm supposed to like conduct myself. And, and even like that night I was having horrible anxiety and bad dreams and I couldn't sleep. And like, literally I just opened the Bible to anywhere, to anywhere, you know, and God sent me right to, um, if there's anything good, if there's anything pure, if there's anything, um, if there's anything right, think about those things, you know? And so it was like God giving me instruction in that moment of deep anxiety. Like you need to change your thinking right now and think about good things. And I, and so I, I, I love that verse. Yeah. I love that verse. Yeah. Fi- yeah. Fix your mind on things that are pure and right and just. Mm-hmm. And it's so important because God acknowledges there that humans are victims to their thoughts. You know, thoughts drive emotions, which drive feelings, which drive actions. You know, if you aren't, skeptical and careful about what you think it can have effects on how you feel and what you do yeah so yeah i love that verse yeah and it's an example of like i needed help and god gave me an answer you know like it's not just this um like i don't know there's very real answers in there for very real problems um if you're if you have the humility to be like, I need help and I'm not finding answers and like, I'm stuck here. And if you have the endurance to keep looking in the Bible, as Jesus says, like keep knocking, keep seeking, keep searching, you will find it in there. It's in there. It's just wild to me. I don't think, I, yeah, it's uh, yeah. I thank God for his word all the time. Yeah, And this is another plug about spending time to work your way through the Bible. It changes everything. You know, there are many, many, most Christians have never read more than a few words of the Bible. And 
when you spend time thinking about what God wants for your life and you pray and you seem confused and you don't know why things are happening, but you've never spent the time to actually read what God has already given you. You know, God has given the Bible to us to tell us things, to tell us how to act, to tell us what happens when and why and and what to do when bad things happen. And a lot of the answers to questions that you can't solve on your own, God has already given you through this book. So it, and and then you start to notice these themes that we're talking about that are repeated across time and authors and offer you, you know, enormous comfort in those moments. Especially because we all wonder about, well, how am I supposed to be? B- big question f- for me growing up, for sure. How am I supposed to be? And that's one of my most... Um, prayed prayers, I think. How do I think about this? Because I can see the situation from many, many different points of view. What is the wisest way to conceptualize this and to think about it? And, And I think a lot of people, everybody thinks like that. Well, how am I supposed to conduct myself here? You know, because I can go a lot of ways with this. And the Bible through what like, you know, what you just said about having the same themes throughout. It's like you can get a pretty clear idea of how you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be strong. You're supposed to be confident. You're supposed to be humble. You're supposed to be, you're supposed to be full of love. You're supposed to rely on God. You're supposed to go through struggles. And it's so affirming. There's, you know, the answers are in there. Yeah. And it's also an incredible way to, you learn how God thinks about things and it's wild to get a window. And I think that's what was so inspiring about, uh, Oh my gosh, the verse that first of all, the verse you said about like, I want you to walk with your head held high. You know, it's, that's how, that's how our God thinks. There was also another verse you sent me one that I had actually never read or maybe I did read, but it never like, cause I, Oh, the Exodus verse. Yeah. And oh, I, yeah, we I've, should talk about that sometime too. Cause there's maybe a not lot, today. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot in there. Yeah. Anyway, but it's a, it's, it's amazing to get this idea of how God thinks about things, yeah. you know, because a lot of the time it's not how you think about things. That's why the Bible says in Proverbs, do not rely on your own understanding, you know, because you think you're right about stuff, you know, but if you don't, it, it everybody thinks they're right about yeah. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody um, does things in the name of good, in the name of love, sure. in the name of justice. Well, how do you know what that is? You don't. You I mean, don't. you're seeing one piece of it. You know, you're right. a creation. You are something that was born out of God's hand. You know, you can't, pretend to believe that you understand how all the other creations will work and what they're all designed for and what the what the overall purpose of the entire map is when you don't even know how big the map is and where you are on it right yes yeah god has given you so much wisdom well i hope so i ask for it and likewise you as well I think we should wind down with a quick question. Um, Favorite book of the Bible and why? My favorite book of the Bible is probably, oh goodness. Um, 
So I do love James. It's a good one. I do love James. Yeah. It's a controversial one, or at least it used to be. Oh, I forgot. No, it's Axe. That's my favorite one. I love James, and that definitely popped into my head, but Axe is definitely my favorite. Yeah. Okay. Why? Why James or why Axe? Why Axe? Uh, because it's just a... Because it, it's, it's this whole thing of like struggles, problems, things that you think... Mm-hmm don't go the way that they should. And, uh, you know, I spoke the word of God, but people thought I was drunk and, and just it, every single chapter, I'm just like, Oh my gosh, it, every single chapter is something not working out somewhere. Yeah. And it's just so encouraging. It's like, thank God. Cause if you do have this picture of like, everything's just going to be smooth, you can get real discouraged real fast. But when you read Acts and you're like, nah, even Paul who, who met Jesus went through all these things, things didn't work out. He gets shipwrecked and whoa, you know, and also like he's, how do I say he's such a, like, he's so courageous. Like Paul is so courageous, you know, and it's just so inspiring. And I I like it because it's, it's so real. It's just very real. Yeah. So how about you? Um, For similar reasons, my first instinct is to say Romans because Mm. it's, because it's written by Paul and even without looking at what's written in Romans. I love it because it's written by this guy who used to persecute Christians. Super smart theologian, okay? Expert in um, expert in theology and, and, and the old ancient like Jewish religion. And he, God used him to write the most, you know, some of the most iconic New Testament scripture. You know, God used him to plant dozens of churches you know, God took somebody who was unmolded clay. Okay, this man is smart and well-read and charismatic and can talk to people, but he doesn't know or love Jesus, and he changed that, and he used him to do those things. So that's amazing. And I love Romans because he essentially gives the entire backbone of what the Christian faith is, why it makes sense, why it works, and... One thing I love about Paul is you can tell he is a practiced orator and practiced debater because when he goes through his his messages, he anticipates when a counter argument would come up and he addresses the questions as they come up. So he, you know, when he talks about um, certain kinds of sins and, and how we're supposed to act as Christians there's paragraph breaks all the time where he's like, so does that imply that we should do this, this, and this? No, it doesn't because of this. So he, I love that he, it's like he's in a debate, but there's no one else talking because he, he's, he's so logical because he used to be one of those people Mm -hmm. who would look at these religious arguments and say, ah, but this, this, and this. So he is using his former self as the adversary. God, God, Yes. took that thing that was a negative and turned it around yeah. for the good, which is what God yeah, does. Exactly. And it's just the best thing. And I, you see it all the time. And it's ne- I, I say this all the time. Like it is the person you least expect. It's always the person you least expect. That's why Jesus was born in a, in a barn, like the savior of the world, you know, like in a nothing little town too. It's, that's how God works. He, and that's why the Bible says, um, like 
he who humbles himself will be exalted and God chooses to, to raise up the lowly because that's our God. That's how he thinks, you know? So the more you try to like, yeah, without rambling on about it, I totally agree that. And I also get excited about how in, and it's so cool that you, um, you see it this way too, because that's something I've always noted about the way Paul writes specifically in Romans is that it is very logical this 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 yeah and that's another that's another misconception that people who have never actually read the bible have about christian theology and how it's written and how it's put together is it's this bunch of willy-nilly ideas about love and peace and forgiveness and and you have to you know coat check your brain at the door if you want to believe any of this stuff and a lot of it is written by you know paul based on what he's written is acknowledged as a genius you know he was probably crazy high iq guy so like there's no doubt there's there's no reason to believe that intelligence and logic and science contradict and go against the idea that these principles are true and that they make sense you know like this this guy was probably one of the most intelligent theologians of the time and he's writing this argument about christ yeah. And it's, um, you're completely right. It's not, it just makes so much sense and it's not at all at odds with Paul is talking about very real boots on the ground concepts and it's, it's, uh, it's heavy. Like it's chilling. Like yeah. there is no forgiveness of sin without the sprinkling of blood. And for someone who was that smart and that well-educated in what he was educated in, you know, the Jewish faith, for him to switch camps and, and to, and to, and C.S. Lewis did that too, you know, 2,000 years later, but for someone who was against this religion to evaluate it from a systematic, logical point of view and to become an advocate of it is amazing. It is amazing, yes. Like someone who has a, a reasonable systematic quantitative brain to look at this set of arguments and to come to believe it is amazing it is amazing yeah because and again it's to show that you don't have to check your mind at the door if you want to entertain any of these notions right because it does it makes sense it makes perfect sense there's nothing there yeah it makes sense but um yeah it 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 logic has become like the highest truth now in our culture right now with the scientific method and stuff like that. But that really only happened within the past couple hundred years, you know, logic always existed, but, um, but I think that's why it became this thing of like, Oh, if you want to be logical and scientific and quantitative, you can't really also accept the Bible, but I just don't see it that way. Uh, so I totally agree. And I think it's a really good point that Paul was incredibly intelligent and incredibly methodical and he and perfectly capable of dismantling all of the yeah. all of this but instead he lays it out like this is how this relates to everything else this is why this is true this is why we behave as we do this you know so yeah it, i love romans as well maybe i'll read that book next it's a good one it's a good one mm -hmm. you can probably do it a few minutes a day in a few days mm -hmm. but yeah i love it it yeah. Uh, yeah, it lays out, you know, for total beginners what Christianity is. And then it also, yeah, yeah, it talks about how you're supposed to act. 
and I, I, yeah, I love it. It's great. Yeah. And I think that's a nice little capstone on the podcast. We talked about is. a lot of stuff, a we lot did. of important things. Mm-hmm. So I, I really hope that um, if you're listening and, and you have questions about these kind of things, which are difficult things to think about and talk about, and a lot of people don't have, we're very fortunate that we have someone we can talk about these things with. Um, so if you don't have that, please reach out to us. Um, we we want to hear your questions and your thoughts and your comments. Um, and I hope that this was encouraging for you. I hope that you gleaned something from it. I hope that you are inspired. Um, and I, th- I thank you so much for spending your time with us. Thank you so much. And we'll see you for the next episode. We encourage you to reach out to us directly at contact at strongervoicespodcast.com with questions, comments, or discussion topics. We wholeheartedly thank you for your support. If you like Stronger Voices, we humbly ask you to do two things. Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform. And copy this link right now and send it to the person you care most about in this world. Thank you again, and we'll see you for the next episode of Stronger Voices.